If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, we'll be looking at verses 4 through 7 this morning. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Uh, remind you what we're doing, we are, at this time, we're, we're looking at who we are. Who we are as a church, as First Bastrop. Who are we? What is our identity? And, and right now we're going through our core values. Now, our core values are those beliefs that we hold uh, dear and near to our hearts. Uh, we have a lot of other beliefs, a lot of other values, but our core values are really what drive us and propel us to do what we do as a church. Last week, we looked at our first core value of biblical teaching, biblical teaching and preaching, and we value that. It, that is essential. That is one of the essential values that we must treasure and hold on to, as it's only through uh, the Bible, the teaching and preaching of the Bible, that we really begin to, to know who God is. We would never know who God is Really and truly, we, we could never know him personally if it were not for his written word, his written revelation, what he has told us about himself. So we must value the teaching of God's word. But second to that, and right up there with it, is prayerful dependence. Prayerful dependence. We value prayer. We value prayer. God's Word, uh, the Bible, is God speaking to us, but as we pray, we are able to communicate back to God our cares and our concerns. So we value prayerful dependence. Martin Luther said, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Pretty important, isn't it? Uh, to be a Christian, it means to pray. Prayer is a vital part of our lives. How unfortunate it is how often that prayer gets neglected and set aside. We need prayer. And so as a church, First Bastrop, we believe the peace and power of God comes by submitting everything to Him in humble prayer and are committed to diligent prayer in private devotions, community gatherings, and corporate worship. We, First Bastrop, believe the peace and power of God comes by submitting everything to Him in humble prayer, and we are committed to diligent prayer in our private devotions, in our community gatherings, and in our corporate worship. So today I hope through this message that we grow greater in our dependence on prayer. And so we're going to see today from this text three reasons we value prayerful dependence. Three reasons we value prayerful dependence. Now, in this book, in the, in the book of Philippians, let me set the stage for you before I read our text this morning. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi from a Roman prison cell. Uh, this is Paul's first Roman imprisonment. Last week we looked at 2 Timothy, and Paul was in prison there as well, but that was his second Roman imprisonment, which ultimately led to his execution. This is his first Roman imprisonment, uh, which is talked about there at the end of the book of Acts. 
And so Paul is in Rome, first Roman imprisonment. He, he's looking at being released. He, he feels like, in fact, if you read the first part of Philippians, you see there that he talks about his, he feels sure that his release is, is imminent. He's sure that his release will come soon. And so this is not one of those where this is his last will and testament type things. Uh, but he is in prison. He is in prison. And he's writing to a church that is suffering persecution. When Paul planted the church, there was some, some turmoil there. And, and Paul was imprisoned in Philippi. And, and it hadn't gotten any better for the church since Paul left. Right, the persecution has continued, and so he's writing to this church from a prison cell where he is imprisoned for his testimony of Jesus Christ to a church who is suffering persecution for their testimony of Jesus Christ. And that's wonderful when we consider what he says in this text that we read today. So if you found your place there in Philippians chapter 4, verse, uh, verse 4, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Paul in prison, writing to a church suffering persecution, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonable, reasonableness be known to everyone, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And today, Lord, as we consider prayerful dependence, Lord, we pray that you would grow our hearts more dependent upon you in prayer. Lord, may we take all of our worries, all of our concerns to you in prayer, knowing who you are, the only one who has any power to do anything about it. So, Father, touch our hearts today. And, Lord, more than anything, let us see Jesus. Let us see Jesus. For it's in His name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, three reasons we value prayerful dependence. First, we value prayerful dependence because of our current condition. We value prayerful dependence because of our current condition. Look there again. There Paul says, uh, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, or your translation may say gentleness, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And what's this? Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. I want to focus in on just that word. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, as we think about that, why does Paul tell them not to be anxious about anything? Because there are anxieties in this world, aren't there? In fact, we know anxieties abound. There are all kinds of things in this world for us to worry about. Paul understands that. 
He's not, he's not uh, selling that short. There are things that, that we have a tendency to worry about because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world, especially for Christians, that uh, is out of place for us. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are, are, are pilgrims in a foreign land. And as foreigners, there's persecutions, there's trials, there's temptations that come. But life in general, whether you're a Christian or not, life in general has its anxieties. The Christians here at Philippi, they're under persecution. That's real persecution. Uh, that's real things happening to them. Their friends and neighbors, their family who, who used to be so close to them, now because of their testimony of Jesus Christ, now because of their new faith, they have abandoned them. They have pushed them away and they are now persecuting them. There's fear from the local government of what they will do. Will there be sanctions applied? What will happen? Just in our own lives, we know that we, we suffer anxieties each and every day. How many times have you been worried this week? How many times this week have you had anxiety over something or the other? We all have experienced that in some way, shape, form, or fashion, and to some degree. In fact, many of you probably had some anxiety this morning. Oh, it's late. It's late. We're going to be late for church. Come on now. Let's go. Let's go. There was some anxiety there even to get to church. And so anxieties abound, and we realize that because of the world in which we live. This is a fallen world full of all kinds of trouble. But we also are anxious because, of our, because our abilities are limited. With all of these anxieties that we face day in and day out, our ability to do anything about it is very limited. In fact, that's why we typically worry the most. If something is within my own power, I don't worry about that too much because I can handle that. But it's the things that are outside my power, outside my ability, that cause me the greatest concern. And so we live in a world that's fallen, that's full of anxieties, full of worries, full of troubles, and we have to confess to ourselves that our ability to face those things, our ability to take care of the world's troubles are outside of our hands. There are many people anxious about what's going on in our government. With the, the president at, at odds with the Congress and all of this going on and there's government shutdown and all of these things happening. And there are a lot of people who are anxious. They're worried. But guess what? There's nothing that you and I can really do about it. We're not up there. We cast our vote, and that's as far as our, our, our thing can go. We can maybe call our congressman. We can write a letter. But really, it's out of our control. It's out of our hands. Our ability is limited. And so we get anxious. We get worried. I have a favorite saying. and you follow, In fact, I said it this morning. It is what it is. It is what it is. And you've heard me say that many times. There are things in this world that we just have no control over. And there's no need to worry about it. There's no need to be anxious about it because it is what it is. It's out of our control. So why worry with it? Now, as we, we value prayerful dependence because of our 
our condition, but because of our, our current condition, but that doesn't mean we are limited, right? We are limited, but that doesn't mean there's not another who is powerful, who has ability to deal with all of our struggles, with all of our trials, with all of our anxieties. Because of our current condition, we value prayer. But second, we value prayer because of God's supernatural power. We value prayerful dependence because of God's supernatural power. We are limited, but He is limitless. Nothing is beyond Him. God is supernatural. God Himself is supernatural. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Before every, anything was ever created, before this material world ever came into existence, God existed. He was there. It is God who said, Let there be light. Let there be an earth. Let all of this come into being. It was God who created it all. It was God who put in place all the, the, the laws of nature. He did all of that. You take this right here, right? Watch this. That's the law of gravity working right there, right? Uh, we have these natural laws that work. And why do they work? Because God put them in place. He set the natural laws. But God is above nature. He is supernatural. He is above nature. He is above nature. Now that doesn't mean that he just kind of uh, works the laws of nature as he wills, but he is above nature. Therefore, because he is the God of nature and he is above nature, you know what? He can suspend the laws of nature at his will for the greater good. Just like out here, we have the, the state ha has set a speed limit out here in front of our church. And so the state says that the speed limit out here in front of our church is 35 miles an hour. But when the state trooper, who is an agent of the government, when he is in an emergency, when there's something going on, he can turn on that light and turn on that siren, and the law is suspended for him. He can do what he needs to do to get where he needs to go to take care of the emergency at hand. God is that way. God typically doesn't work beyond the laws of nature. He al typically allows the laws of nature to work just as they always work. But when God sees fit, God can come in and suspend the laws of nature to do His greater will. And so skeptics, they look at the Bible and they look at all the miracles that take place in the Bible and they say, well, that, well see, that, that, that's just myth. It's legend. Because we know that things don't work like that. We know that, that you can't just go out to the river here and, and the, the river divide and, and people are able to walk on it on dry ground. That just doesn't happen. There's got to be a cause. But God can come in and He can say, no, I'm going to divide this river. I'm going to hold up the river so that my people can walk through it on dry ground just like He did in the book of Exodus. God is above nature and He can take care of those things. He can do miraculous things in our world and He can work miracles for us as well. Oh dear friend, don't think because we live in this world that 
doesn't believe in miracles that miracles don't take place. God is still the God of miracles. He is supernatural. And He can overcome all of the world's anxieties. Not only is God supernatural, but God is also sovereign. He is sovereign. He rules and reigns over all of creation. As R.C. Sproul used to always say, there's not one maverick molecule in all of creation. All of creation obeys the voice of God. Only mankind has the guts to rebel against God. Everything else in creation obeys His will every time. We only rebel against His rule and reign as, as far and as long as He lets us. The Scripture tells us that one day when Christ returns, even the rebellious people, even those who are not God's people, will be ruled and reigned over with a, a rod of iron. It says Jesus will bring them to submission. So we are only rebellious as far as God will allow us to be rebellious. He is sovereign over everything, everyone. God rules and reigns. He is supernatural and He is sovereign. Hudson Taylor, when he was on his journey to China. He was a, China to, uh, he was a missionary to China. And when he was on his way to China, that was in the days of sailboats. And so he was on this big ship sailing to China. And as they were sailing, the, the ship came under a lot of trouble, some trouble. As they were sailing, they were sailing down the coastline of these islands that were known to be inhabited by cannibals. And the most terrible thing happened. The wind died. There was no wind. No wind whatsoever to set in the sails and carry them on. And so the, the ship was just adrift in the current of the ocean. And the current was drawing them closer and closer and closer to these islands inhabited by these cannibals. They were drawing close to some reefs that were set out there just off of the shoreline. And the captain came to Hudson and said, we are in trouble. Here we are, we have no wind, there's no breeze in the air, and we're drifting to this island. And they could look out across the island and they saw the, the inhabitants of the islands out there stoking their fires, getting ready. And the captain said, there's, we've done everything that we can do. There's nothing left. But Hudson Taylor said, we haven't done everything. He said, there's four of us Christians here on board this ship. Let us go to our cabins and let us pray that the Lord might send a breeze. And so Hudson and the other three Christians, they retire to their cabins and they begin to pray, 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 Lord, give us a breeze. Lord, give us a breeze. Lord, give us a breeze. And Taylor felt uh, God impressed upon his heart to, to run out and he ran out and he went to the first mate and he said to the first mate, let down the sails. And the first mate said, what are you talking about? There's no wind. 
There's no wind. What good would that do? And he said, nevertheless, let down the sails. We have been praying, and God is going to send a wind. Let down the sails. And so, reluctantly, the first mate let down the sails. And shortly there came a breeze and directed the ship away from the islands, and they were saved. From that point on, Hudson Taylor said that he knew whatever he faced in life, whatever troubles, whatever trials might come his way, he knew to give it all to God in prayer because God had the power to overcome all troubles. We serve a God who is supernatural. He has supernatural power. So whatever we're facing in this world, yes, it may be out of our control, but it is not beyond His control. We can give it to Him in prayer. We can go to Him in prayer. We can pour it out before His throne of grace. And He has the power to overcome now, we need to note that this doesn't mean that we can treat God like some genie in a bottle. Lord, give me this, give me that, do my will. God is not here to serve our will. We are here to serve His will. And so even when we pray, we pray, Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in every prayer, we pray to a supernatural God who is able to do all things, but we pray in submission to His sovereign will. But we value prayerful dependence this morning because of our current condition and because we serve a supernatural God. And finally, we value prayerful dependence because of God's promised peace. We value prayerful dependence because of God's promised peace. Notice what verse 7 says there. And the peace of God, the shalom of God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God promises us, His people, His peace. That's what salvation is all about. That's why Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross for our sins to deliver the shalom, the peace that God promised to His people long ago. This peace that's uh, an, an eternal peace. It, it's inside us. It, it's a peace that surpasses all understanding, as Paul says there. A peace that surpasses all understanding. It's because this peace is an enduring peace. It's an enduring peace. This, this is a peace that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It will stand guard when anxieties and worries begin to, to, to flood in. The peace of God comes in and, and it takes over. It guards, it keeps those worries at bay, and it gives us peace. Peace when all the rest of the world seems to be falling apart. Peace when all the world seems to be worried and anxious. It's an enduring peace. Now, 
the anxious conditions, they're still there, aren't they? They're still ever-present. But the peace of God endures. It guards. It's an enduring peace. A supernatural peace. But it's also an eternal peace. It's an eternal peace. It's a peace that, that doesn't just last for a moment. It doesn't just last in that moment of anxiety. But it's a peace that lasts forever. In fact, there's coming a day that that peace will be even greater still. Our peace comes from the knowledge, in fact, of what is still yet to come. Jesus, on the night that He was preparing His disciples for His departure, in John chapter 14, He says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. Why? Because in My Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away. And I will come to you again. The peace that we have is because the God of peace promises us eternal peace. Yes, the worries and anxieties, they come upon us here and now. There are lots of things in this world that want to rob us of peace. But God has promised us eternal peace in His eternal kingdom. Jesus Christ came to prepare a place. He prepared a place for us by dying on the cross, paying for our sin so that we might be reconciled with God and might have eternal life in Him. We have peace in that. We know that that's coming no matter what this world throws at us. Cheryl Sandifer was a great friend of ours in Fort Worth. When we moved out there, and Mary Beth began to work with her uh, at, at a doctor's office there. Uh, knowing that we were six hours away from our parents, she said it on her heart. She was going to adopt Gabby as her grandchild, and she was going to take care of us like her own kids. And she and her husband both loved on us and cared for us. Well, one day, at the age of 47, though she had never really had any serious medical issues, Cheryl developed what she thought was a bad case of vertigo. She began to stumble around and just got really dizzy. And so finally, the doctor in which they worked for, they, she noticed that, that uh, she was just off. She wasn't able to, to stay balanced. And so he began to get concerned about her, and he set her down and, and did a little exam on her and began to notice that the side of her head was a little swollen and her right pupil wasn't responding to light as it ought to. And so immediately he sent her to the ER. You've got to go get checked out. And so the ER doctor began to run tests and ran a CAT scan, and he found the problem. 
as Cheryl and her husband and daughter were sitting in the exam room waiting for the report to come back, the doctor entered into the room very solemnly. Then, Miss Sandifer, I hate to tell you this, but according to the CAT scan, you have a rather large tumor on your brain. And honestly, I don't know if it's operable. I don't know if we'll be able to, to, anybody will be able to operate and remove it. It, it doesn't look good for Cheryl's husband and, and her daughter. They fell apart. But Cheryl sat there, unfazed, still with that smile on her face. And the doctor looked at her and said, Sandifer, do you, do you understand what I'm telling you? She looked at that doctor and said, yes, doctor, I understand. I understand exactly what you're telling me. But you see, doctor, I'm a Christian. And for me, this is a win-win. If this tumor takes my life, I get to go be with Jesus. But if God gives me the victory over this, I get to give him glory. It's a win-win. Now let me pray for you. He prayed for that doctor. And afterwards, that doctor looked at her and said, You know, Miss, Miss Sandifer, I've been struggling. I've been on the fence for years about whether God exists or not, but today I think you've convinced me. They were able to operate, and they were able to remove most of the tumor. And Cheryl lived a, a few more years. But eventually the tumor came back, and it took her life. But through the whole thing, Cheryl never lost her faith. She never lost her hope. At every opportunity she had, through all of the treatments, through all of the surgeries, she used every opportunity to give God glory and praise. Thousands of people got witness to because of her faith in Jesus Christ. It's a win-win for Christians. No matter what the world throws at us, it's a win-win because we have a King who has won the victory. And though this life may tear us down, it may beat us down, it may put us in the ground, it cannot destroy us because He has won the victory. We have victory in Jesus. So we pray. We pray knowing that we have a sovereign God who is over and above all things and who has promised us eternal peace in Christ Jesus. Oh dear Christian, do you pray? Are you dependent upon the Lord in prayer? You need not to fear anything as long as you trust in Jesus. And take everything to Him in prayer. Oh, what troubles we endure. What trials we face. All because we don't take everything to the Lord in prayer. Oh, we must be prayerfully dependent. Taking everything to God in prayer. We value prayerful dependence 
Dear church, if we're going to experience, as we've been talking about over the past few months, we've been talking about bringing new life and vitality to our church and and revitalization. If we're going to experience revitalization, if we're going to experience new life, if we're going to experience revival in our church, we must be dependent upon prayer. We must fall down on our face day in and day out and pray to God to, to come and make revival in us and around us. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, and, and really one of the, he was one of the first megachurch pastors there in, in London, England. He had this large church that was just growing by leaps and bounds. They had to knock out windows so people could, could sit outside and, and listen in because so many people came to hear the Word of God under his preaching. One day, five students came to, to hear the great famed Charles Spurgeon preach. And so as they, they came up the steps there of the church, they were met by a man whom they, they just thought he was maybe a, con, uh, maybe a congregant or maybe, maybe even the, the janitor. They didn't really know who he was. But he met them at the door and he invited them in. Come in, good men. Come on in. Let me show you around the place. So he began to take them throughout the church, showing them all of the, the, the church. And then he said, would you like to see our heating unit? Excuse us? Would you like to see our heating unit? What, what powers the place? Would you like to see our baller room? What drives the church? What powers the church? Well, they really didn't have an interest in seeing the baller room, but they didn't want to be rude, so they said, oh, well, sure. So the man led him down a stairwell to a room underneath the sanctuary. He quietly opened the door up, and those five students were astounded, uh, astonished to see 700 members of that church crowded into a room praying. And the man quietly said, This what powers the church we are what we are because we are prayerfully dependent upon God as they backed away from the room he turned to them and introduced himself as Charles Spurgeon Spurgeon understood what powered the church He understood what drove them. He understood where all of their power came. It wasn't in in him, in his ability to preach. It wasn't in location. It wasn't in any of those things. The power of that church was prayer. Giving everything to God in prayer. Dear church, if we want to see great revival... We must fall on our knees in prayer. That's got to be our boiler room. The saints coming together in prayerful dependence. For some today, your life is filled with troubles and anxieties. And you don't know what to do. You struggle day in and day out and and anxieties are just overcoming you. Maybe you even came here looking for the answer. The first step is to pray to God in a prayer of repentance. 
Turning away from, uh, from trying to handle it on your own. Turning away from trying to solve all your problems on your own. Turning away of doing life your way and turning to God and trusting in Jesus Christ. If you'll give it all to Him in prayer today, He will save you. He will give you hope. He will give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. Will you trust Him today? Church, today is the day to turn away from, from your prayerlessness. So many of us fall out of the habit. Repent from your prayerlessness and turn to God and pray. Pray that He would use you in a mighty way. Pray that He would use this church in a mighty way. Pray that His glory will shine bright from first Bastrop. Pray Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in me, in us, as it is in heaven. O oh, Heavenly Father, we thank You for the power of prayer. And we thank You, Lord God, that even in this world of troubles, even in this world with all of its struggles and anxieties that, that get hurled at us every day, we, we are thankful as a church that we can come to a mighty God who is above all things, has the power to, to overcome all things. We can bring our concerns to You in prayer, knowing that You will answer. Lord, we do pray that You would give us the ability, the wisdom, the courage to embrace Your answer no matter what it is. Oh Lord, let us always be prayerfully dependent. And Lord, if there are those today who do not know Jesus, they're struggling with their worries, they're, crushing, they're crushed by the anxieties of this world, Oh, Lord God, let them see Jesus. Let them know the release and the peace that only Jesus can bring. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.